Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. I'm at the nail salon. I'm at the grocery store. I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Groceries through Instacart delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Peter Dowdell, the Irishgardener.com, joining us. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very, I'm very well. Now, let's go straight into a question that's come in for the last two weeks. And this listener is asking about my flamingo <coughs> trees. They're not flowering at all this year. They look like the branches are burnt. Last year, they were lovely white pink flowers. Very poor this year. What could be the matter? And she was very good to send on some photographs that we've now finally got on to you. So you've got a cup. You've got some of the photographs. What's wrong with the flamingo she trees? Did. I, I saw them and they, they are as I thought, actually. It is Salix flamingo, which is a type of willow. And she kind of threw me last week in the question, and that's why I wanted to see the, the photograph, because they're not, the, the pink whites that she's talking about aren't actually flowers, but it's the, it's the new leaves emerging, the new growth emerging is kind of pinky white. Now, she's right, it does look a bit shook, or, or the ones in the picture look a bit shook. Um, uh, they're a grafted tree, which means they're grafted onto the uh, common willow is the main stem, and then you have this little standard flamingo on top. When they're thriving, they look fantastic. When they're not, they don't. <laughs> and they can be a bit troublesome. I think it could be a couple of things. It could be that it's in too windy a position. It could be that it got too wet, but that's unlikely. Um, but there is definitely signs of fungal infection. If you look clearly at the... I'm looking clearly or closely at the, the photograph, obviously, but if she looks closely at the, the, the tree itself, you, she will see some blackening on it, and that's sign of a fungal infection. The fungal dieback... So the, the first course of action is to get out with the secretaries uh, and remove any of the dying or dead branches that you can see. Um, I put the, if anybody has similar problems, I put a few pictures up on my Facebook page here in a while, so you'll see what I'm talking about. But remove the dead branches, remove any black growth. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I would treat the whole bush and the soil around it then with copper sulfate mixed with water, which is a product I often recommend. Trish, it's a good organic. Uh, broad spectrum fungicide so it can control a range of fungal infections that could be affecting it and the last thing then I'd feed it I'd feed it with a good organic feed like the the nature safe either the granular nature safe or the liquid nature safe feed that's a very good feed to drive it on it's a bit like I always say when I'm dealing with plant problems I always say it's a bit like ourselves if we get an infection first of all we try and remove physically as much of the infection as possible that's what you're doing by removing the dead stems and then we treat the infection, so that's what you're doing with the, the copper sulfate. And then we give ourselves a tonic or a probiotic, or at least we should it's give ourselves a good way of thinking of it, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you do the same with the plants. You feed the plants. Uh, it's the same. <laughs> it's just healthcare on a different species. Um, so remove the infection, treat it with the copper sulfate, uh, and then feed it with the nature safe. And hopefully all is well. If, if the caller has the same problem next year, um, I would actually 
actually suggest moving them because it could be environmental. It could be just that it's too open and too windy where they are. Okay, Dennis and Skibbereen. Hi, Peter. Uh, question for you. What time of the year can I take camellia cuttings as the yellow ones are impossible to get anymore? They are, actually. Yeah, they're lovely. The glorious yellow and brushfield yellow, they are lovely. They're kind of an off-white more so than yellow, but they really are lovely and very free-flowering and also very early-flowering. Uh, <clears throat> so we had this question a couple of weeks ago as well, Trish, and I kind of glanced over the answer, if you like, because it was the end of your programme, but now is the time of year to do it, really. July, August, September is the time to do it. But the reason I'm hesitating is they don't take that easily from cuttings, I'm afraid. Commercially, the way it's done is the, there's uh, soil warming cables put in so that there's, there's heat underneath to, to stimulate the root growth. Uh, and then it's quite humid in the glass. So they, they create kind of artificial humidity in there um, to encourage them to root, which is obviously on a domestic level. These are, these are things we, we can't or wouldn't really do. But now is the time to do it. If you have a little propagator that can give, you can get these little electric propagators uh, with the lid that will create a small bit of humidity and that could give some heat below. Uh, if you have one of them, use it, or maybe maybe it warrants going out to get one. I'm not sure what price they are. Um, take what's called a, a semi-ripe nodal cutting. I suppose that's, that's kind of posh way of what we refer to as a slip. So you, you cut it basically at a node, and a node is where the leaf meets the stem, because the reason we the base of our cutting should always be at a node is because that's where you'll find the highest amount of auxins, and they're the, the hormones responsible for developing roots and for creating roots. There's none between the, the, the nodes. They're all at the nodes. That's where the concentration of the auxins are. So base of the cutting is at a node. Remove any leaves off that node. Uh, you have one cutting kind of one, two nodes, one one at the bottom and one at the top, so it would probably be about four inches. Uh, leave one leaf on the top node um, and none on the bottom node into a bit of rooting powder, into a good quality compost, and as I say, uh, ideally a propagator with some heat beneath and, and, a, and a lid to create a bit of humidity. All that being said, they're still not the easiest thing in the world to get to root, but worth giving a go. Best of luck with it. Uh, good luck with that, Dennis. Hi, could you ask Peter, please, when and what should I feed rhododendrons? It was only set last year. Just before I answer that, <laughs> to go back to to go back to one other thing I could have offered with camellias, uh, and I don't often think of it, and I should. Uh, last year, last week rather, I think we we had somebody who was asking about they had layered a rhododendron. And when was the right time to, to plant it? Yeah, I remember. And, and I went, I went into explaining about layering, and I, I mentioned very briefly as well that you can also do a thing called area layering, which is where you don't put it into the soil. But um, yeah, I won't go into the long story. But if you Google a product called Cutting Globe, it's it's just I presume the website that it will come up will explain it better than I can explain it over the radio. But it's a little globe that enables you to do a, a process called area layering, um, and that could be a very good way. Of, of propagating your yellow camellia. That should be more successful, actually, than taking cuttings. So into, into Mr. Google, cutting globe, have a look at them, um, and I would say maybe give that a go for your camellia. It might be more successful than the cuttings. Okay. Anyway, Rhododendrons, what do you feed a rhododendron? They've only planted last year. Well, hopefully you, you, the, the, the caller used a good compost when planting and probably a bit of fertiliser at the time. So it might even be okay for a year or two. But at this time of the year, and even a bit earlier, July onwards again, I would use a good quality uh, sulfate of potash or, or a good quality like building liquid tomato food. Um, something that's high in phosphorus and potassium because it's July to September of this year when the rhododendron sets its flower buds for next year. Now those buds stay on the bush throughout the winter and hopefully 
flowers next spring. The buds are being set now. Uh, so that's what I would feed it with now for flowering. And then for overall plant health, for any ericaceous or acid-loving plant, which rhododendron is, uh, use a good acid plant tonic uh, sequestered iron. And that's just to ensure good, healthy green growth. However, I would say that if, if it's not showing any symptoms of needing that, I wouldn't feed it unnecessarily. Let it establish. It should really, if the soil is good, most plants should get all they need from the soil. They might just need a bit of a, a pick-me-up for flowering and things like that. But if the leaves are a good yellow and they're not, or good, sorry, a good green, and they're not going yellow or anything like that, they shouldn't need a Leave leaf. If there's any side of yellowing, a bit of sequestered iron should sort it out. Okay, Rhea in Dunmanway. Could you ask Peter, please? I'm clearing out my cupboard. Can I put on the compost compost heap dried lentils, pearl barley, and old flour and corn flour? I would absolutely say why not. Yeah. They're all plant-based materials, so they'll all compost down again. Absolutely. The only thing to be aware of, obviously, is that when you're putting food like that into a compost bin or heap is, is that you don't draw rodents. So if it's, if it's a compost tumbler or something that's suspended over the ground, then fine. Uh, the answer to the question is yes, they will break down, they will compost down, but my only concern would be uh, where your compost area is and that the, the, the unwanted guests that it might attract. Yeah. Uh, Micah says, hi, Peter. What could have happened to my Cantoniaster plant, which appears to be dying? It looks like drought, but every other plant around it is OK. That's not great news, I'm afraid. Um, I, I would be anxious to see a photograph of that. So maybe send it in to yourselves or send it in to me on Facebook, the Irish Gardener. You'll find me on Facebook. Send me in a picture. I'll have a look at it. I, I don't want to say what I think it might be because okay. it, it could be quite alarming. But Cantoniaster does get a, a disease that is a notifiable disease um, so send it in we'll have a look at it before I alarm him unnecessarily ok alright we'll, we'll get back to symptoms, you on that yeah if the symptoms look like it's burning like it's, it's got hit with a flame floor or something like that then it, it could be it could be bad news but we'll have a look okay. at the photograph alright hi Peter looking for your views please on planting Clematis Black Prince at this time of year is there enough time for establishment before winter would it get a good start for next year and is this Clematis worthy of consideration to be grown over a metal arch in conjunction with honeysuckle gold flame yes yes and yes <laughs> um, so yes do plant it now because uh, anything that's planted now, really, nature is the traditional time, or sorry, autumn is, is nature's traditional time for planting, if you like, because it does give plants a chance to get established before the growth starts next spring. Um, the, yeah, there's plenty of time. We're only 1st of September, so I would say definitely plant your clematis or plant anything now at this time of the year. Watering should become less of a problem as we enter into the autumn winter as well, though it wasn't a huge problem this summer either. Um is, is it worthy of planting? Absolutely. It's a lovely, as the name suggests, it's, it's more or less black in colour. It's a very dark purple. It's a bit of chelotype from memory, which means it's kind of late summer flowering. There, there possibly even still be a few blooms in it. Um, the, 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 it's going up an arch with the... the, the with the honeysuckle golden, honey golden yeah, flame, yeah. Yeah. Uh, might be a bit hesitant there because they're both very vigorous and the honeysuckle might be even a bit more vigorous. So... Just depending on the size of the arch, one of them might be enough. But if it's a big enough arch, certainly the two of them together would be nice. And the the, the golden foliage of that lanistera, of that honeysuckle, would contrast nicely. Would look with lovely, the flowers, yeah. The yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jar in Newmarket has two huge hibernicum shrubs, but they're too near the footpath. Uh, when can I cut back hard without damaging them, says Jar? 
going to hazard a guess that it's Hypericum. Um, I would say it is, and if he's listening, and if, if if I ask him, and obviously he can answer, but I won't hear him, if they're yellow flowering, if they're an evergreen plant with yellow flowers, they're Hypericum or, or Rose of Sharon or St. John's Wort, they've loads of common names. Um, they will get quite big, they get certainly, I suppose, four feet anyway in height and width, maybe even a bit bigger. Uh, they're summer flowering, they'll be probably still colour on them now. I would wait. You could cut them back now just after. In fact, if they're in the way of the footpath, yes, cut them back now. If they weren't in the way, if I was going giving accurate horticultural advice, I would say you could wait till early March before cutting back. Uh, but if they're in the way of the footpath or a driveway or anything, you absolutely won't harm the plant by cutting it back now. Jane has two hibiscus, green and bushy, three foot high, no sign of flower. I'm not surprised. We're not in Portugal. the hibiscus unfortunately they are gorgeous but they are native to to warmer climates some of them some of i think syracusus is the species some of those species of hibiscus will will tolerate our 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 climate i remember in the family home where i grew up we had a lovely hibiscus but it it was it never looked very happy if you know what i mean the leaves were always a bit sad and the flowers were never as vibrant as you'd see them on holidays um so I would say, unfortunately, there's very little we can do. It's just that it didn't get enough sunshine this year. All you could do, it's too late, I think, for flowering now, but all you could do, and it, it might help, it may well help, is to give it a feed with the, with something like the, the sulfate of potash or the nature safe, just to promote some flowers. But you'd be doing that next spring, realistically, uh, feeding them the spring with the, the nature safe or the sulfate of potash to promote some flowers. And then cross your fingers and pray for a good summer next year because really I think it's, it's temperatures and sunlight is what will promote the flowers more than anything. Our listeners looking for advice on cutting back Leilandi palm trees. They're 15 to 20 feet high. Wondering what time of the year you should be cutting them back. Cut them back now if you want. Uh, we're coming into September. So yeah, we're, sorry, we're in September. Um, so yeah, you could cut them back now if you want. Just be careful. Uh, anything that height, number one, I would Tree say... Tree surgeon a tree surgeon job mm. and uh, also make sure whoever is doing it has insurance and follows all the health and safety procedures. I know that may sound like a lot of bluster but it's, 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 it's important, it's very important because it is a dangerous job at that height and make sure you're obviously you're getting somebody who knows what they're doing because if you cut back too hard and if you cut into brown wood it won't green up again, it won't regenerate. Okay. So just be careful who, who's doing it for you. And Margaret in Glamworth is wondering why she has worms in her new crop of potatoes. I can't answer. It's wire worm or something like that. They they, they are soil born. It's it's one of these things. I'm afraid they, they they are there. They're in the soil. And if you've got them, my my best advice to you. Unfortunately, there's very little you can do on them. Do, there's nothing you can do for it this year. Uh, my best advice to you is to just use crop rotation and put the the potatoes elsewhere next year. Don't dream of putting them back in the same place. Uh, it's either a cut worm or a wire worm. Um, but just plant them somewhere else for next year, I'm afraid. And I, I don't have any solution for you for this year. I'm sorry about that. OK, and I always get proud when I can answer a question. John Amala wants to know, can I plant rose trees where rose trees have already been planted? No, you can't. Is, yeah, I'll break and you answer that. Is there, is there a length of time on that? Or is it's not forever and ever and ever? Is it? No, it's not forever no. and ever, but it's a fair length of time. It's a thing called replant disease, Trish, and it's it's not an old wives' tale. It's, it's the science to back it up. You can't. You might get lucky if you plant a rose there again it might survive but the chances are it won't uh, and it's 15 years yeah, so it's 15 is it years. that long wow yeah, it is. wow now you can I suppose technically you can plant a rose back there but you do need to 
to excavate the soil to a depth of either three or four feet and a diameter of three or four feet. So that's quite a substantial amount of soil you need to take out and replace. Um, but if, if you're willing to do that, yes, you can with fresh soil. But the, the general answer is no. Well, it's the only plant, is it, that does that? To the best of my knowledge, of course, as soon as I say that... I know, somebody will bring in, yeah. To the best of my knowledge, it's the only one that suffers from replant disease yeah. and the roses, yeah. Okay, Mick wants to know, is there anything for ivy in a golden privet hedge? Yeah, donkey work, I'm afraid, is the only thing. Uh, no, there's no there's no chemical cure. There's no magic wand cure for that one. It's just getting in and, and physically removing the ivy from, from in around the hedge. And it is it is worth doing because I've discussed this with you before, Trish, on on, on the program. Uh, trees and shrubs and hedges are you know nature is wonderful and they're, they're designed absolutely perfectly from an aerodynamical point of view to to withstand you know very high winds. But when you start interfering with that, so in other words, when there's a foreign, uh, like an ivy, foreign plant growing through it that shouldn't be there, it interferes with the wind resistance, and that ivy can then act like a, a, a sail to, so the whole thing could blow over. So it is worth taking it out, I'm afraid, because particularly if it's a high hedge, because uh, it will just make it more vulnerable to, to wind damage. Okay, um, or and just very finally and quickly, if you can answer this, somebody wants to know where can they source five foot firs for planting as a boundary hedge? Would you know? Are they easy to come by? Oh, firs is gorse, isn't it? Firs yeah. is, is the yellow gorse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, five if foot. If that's the, the the plant they're talking about, five foot high gorse. Off the top of my off the top of my head, I'm not sure. Okay. But it should be available through a garden centre. No, they're not going to carry it in stock, I would say to you. But they could but, get uh, it in. I would say if you call to your local garden centre, tell them you're looking for it, I would think uh, one of their growers may well have it. Okay. Um, so that's, that's, that's because it's, a, it's a text, I, I don't even know what, what part of the city or county the person is uh, calling from. Okay, we leave it there. Thank you for that, Peter. Thanks, Trish. Have a good Talk week. Thanks Thank for joining us. That's uh, Peter Dowdle, theirishgardener.com. Gardening on C103 with Bandon Co-op Garden Centres in Bandon, Kinsale and Enniskeen. For top quality plants, advice and value, think Bandon Co-op Garden Centres. C103.